0: like to start today with a question. Where do you view your future self? No, for you youngsters, I don't mean your future careers or early adult lives. I'm talking about an often purposely avoided or dismissed life stage, old age. Was this imagined future a positive or negative one? I believe that unfortunately there's an overwhelmingly negative attitude towards aging. Just think about all the anti-ageing creams and products with the intent to delay the physical appearance of ageing. Businesses capitalize on the fear of old age. To be candid, old age is inevitable. So why does ageism continue to be so prevalent? And why is it almost taboo to imagine old age? I believe this is largely linked to the probability of so-called disability, which tends to accompany ageing and additionally, the prospect of death. Not only is there a fear of becoming old, the site manager at the ABC Extra Care Home in Whitchurch emphasized how with COVID-19 and with the moral responsibility as placed on all citizens to protect the vulnerable, there has been a growing fear of the elderly. Firstly, I would like to discuss this link between the fear of aging and the stigma surrounding disability. My thought journey surrounding disability first started with my admission into Bristol University when I received an email from the disability services. I have dyslexia, or more specifically difficulties with working memory, but I had never personally referred to this difficulty as a disability. To me, this was a paradigm shift. I have a disability? How does this change my relationship to society and my place in the world? Would it change my relationship with the world? Before we start, I would like to mention that I will continue to use the word disability for lack of a better word and due to its recognizability, however I would like to detach the world from its inherent assumptions which I will outline below. You may ask how and why this issue relates to the academics in the field of the arts and the humanities. This is because while there is an economic and political emphasis on scientific advancement, I would argue that without the studies of her public livelihood and society under the arts and the humanities disciplines, these advancements are pointless. Maybe controversially, I would propose why would one invest in scientific advancements which continue to extend life if it only translates into the extension of a period of isolation, so-called patienthood, and economic and social burdening? Therefore, our attitude and thought framework surrounding aging and disability needs to change. And as I will show through Brunel Care's later life care model is already being altered through the work of critical analysts in the arts and the humanities and is already impacting social engineering. Hence, as Professor Jason M. Kelly highlights, the public value of the arts and the humanities is as a discipline, they encourage the development of vibrant, and I would add, sustainable communities. Robert F. Murphy, in his book, The Body Silent, states that disability is not simply a physical affair for us, it is our ontology, a condition of... Of our being in the world. This perfectly exemplifies the value of the arts and the humanities in terms of disability. This is because the humanities enable us to question humans, those with different experiences from our own state of being, and translate this into positive action and social change. I would suggest that rethinking disability in our wider society will positively change the state of being of those people with disabilities. For example, using the term disability implies a lack of being or life experience which is less than, but less than what? Is there a full state of being or full ability? A GovUK Family Resources survey for 2019-2020 to uncovered that disabilities were reported in 8% of children, 19% of working age adults, and 46% of adults over state pension age. People with disabilities therefore make up a large minority group, especially within the elderly community. Why then do we continue to use a rhetoric which inherently differentiates people from a standard concept of normality? In conversation with a friend, he suggested that instead of disability, maybe it would be more appropriate to use the word This implies that there is not one measure of ability, but rather a selection of different abilities, none ranked higher than the other. This anecdote highlights the negative assumptions and attitudes towards people with disabilities, which need to be changed through critical reflection in the humanities. Brunel Care's extra care housing model is directly reflective of the changing attitudes towards elderly and disability care in the humanities. They highlight that their requirements are set within specially designed extra care housing schemes where you can maintain or regain independence while having the extra reassurance that comes with knowing that a care and support team are on hand in emergencies. As demonstrated through Chaplin and Dob Kepler's. Age in Place article, it becomes clear that assisted living as a distinct philosophy diverts from a more medical model of elderly care. Old age can be difficult to grapple with due to its impermanency. For many people, they physically and mentally know what so-called ability is or was like. You have experienced it, but you will never regain it. Additionally, it can be psychologically damaging as old age in the West is traditionally viewed as an end stage. However, Brunel Care's services work in a philosophical framework which attempts to get out of this mindset by emphasizing ability. A focus on lived experience and consciousness surrounding aging highlights the phenomenological experience which accompanies aging. Phenomenology, a key theory within the humanities, interprets consciousness as something which is shaped through experience rather than constructed by a disembodied mind. This is significant because looking at disability and aging through a phenomenological lens emphasizes that conscious disability is not inherent to society but socially and culturally constructed. Gillard's reflections of aging as an unrealizable other emphasizes this phenomenological experience. With ageing and old age, there is a much more conscious detachment of the body from the mind or memory. More simply put, people sometimes find it difficult to recognize themselves. Gillard, therefore, suggests that with ageing, we are more often not aware of mental change. However, physical ageing is very apparent to the individual and those around them. Hence, there is this sense of detachment between our mental and physical being. Holzer highlights that in the West through a language which separates disabled people into societal categories, others are created. Hence, here we see this intersection between an academic question posed in the humanities which questions what it means to be human and how ability shapes our relationships in society and how this translates into real life, here represented by public othering. An academic or philosophical rethinking is vitally important in reshaping society and the individual relationships with the world. In the book, Disability in Different Cultures, Holser emphasizes how cultural studies and cultural critique which fall under the humanities work to confront structures that regulate the social life of another society, and in turn, throw light upon the structures of one's own. She notes that while in the Zapotec language there are words to indicate blindness or limping, there is no singular categorization of disabled people. Bolzer highlights how this, unlike in Western society, does not place an emphasis on the collective cannots, because, for example, while the blind cannot see, they can speak, walk, and so on. Hence, they can contribute to society in their own way. Diedrich, through his discussion of the phenomenology of disability, addresses the state and or experience of patienthood and the consequential moral reduction of self. He states that patienthood is marked by a loss of agency and sense of self. The Brunel Care Extra Care model attempts to tackle this state of patienthood which I would argue also often accompanies institutionalization into a care home, no matter how intense the care. This is because old age and this end stage to life have become a state of mind and being. Take my own grandmother, for example. She lives in an independent living arrangement in the Netherlands, like that provided by Brunel Care. She receives no day-to-day care. However, there is a restaurant and a hairdresser on site for her convenience. And there are some communal activities which she can choose to take part in. Nonetheless, she calls it a care home. I believe this stresses that there needs to be an effort to go beyond just providing and encouraging independent care. But there needs to be a popular shift in mindset surrounding old age and disability. One which is not linked to disadvantages and social and economic burdening. This is where the arts are important. Through examining the increased visibility of people with disabilities in literature since the 19th century, such as Victor Hugo's Hunchback of Notre Dame, Fenton and Lazard, demonstrate how historically changing attitudes about disability have already had positive spillover effects. They examine that Hugo's work helped elevate the societal value of disabled peoples and simultaneously encouraged increased medical attention and progress in the field. Similarly, this can shift modern beliefs and continue the evolution of elderly and disabled people's standing in society by changing the societal value of normalcy. Victor Turner's work, as quoted through Murphy, states that the long-term disabled are neither sick nor well, neither dead nor fully alive, neither out of society nor wholly in it, suggesting that their full humanity is left in doubt. Therefore, the humanities are vitally important because the study of society helps shape our understanding of what it means to be fully human. I believe that the importance of the humanities and the arts is to navigate the disabled and elderly through this limbo of consciousness and confused state of being, and eventually get the whole of society out of a Western mindset which bases societal value on a hierarchy ability. in her discussion of disability and identity, suggests that society often doesn't take into account the ways in which impairment is part of humanity. Moreover, this indicates that no one individual defines humanity, but rather it is in fact the physical and mental differences which define a full humanity." While it is difficult to overcome this disconnection between the body and mind with aging, changing society to make the elderly and disabled more able will, I suggest, close this gap significantly. I believe that dependence is a key mental barrier to authentic subjectivity as we age, and hence using the arts and the humanities to apply these shifting philosophical concepts surrounding aging to social engineering will help change the phenomenological experiences of these people. Modern technology has in many ways enabled us to adaptability. For example, the immobile can regain independent mobility using an electric scooter. They may not be able to walk, but given the correctly adapted facilities, they can move in their own way. These technologies, depending on the extra needs, do not need to be technologically advanced. For example, at ABC, something as simple as the lack of paved paths outside is preventing the safe mobility of the residents getting to the garden. Moreover, while technology can enable the disabled, without a philosophical and societal restructuring, these people will still feel disabled or othered suggesting once more that the study of current societal structures reveals that disability is socially created rather than biologically inherent. Practically, this shifting philosophy towards assisted living, as discussed by Chaplin and Dobbs Kepper, benefits the state because when targeted at the appropriate clients can cost substantially less than nursing facilities. They argue that alongside this economic benefit, it enables people to age while still maintaining autonomy and dignity. Moreover, Lenny Marshall highlights that there is skepticism surrounding age studies in the humanities because the benefits to humanities scholarships are more difficult to measure. Nonetheless, she notes that research suggests the humanities' ability to improve gerontological literacy could contribute to an increase of lifespan by 10%, and perhaps even improve the availability of trained gerontological medical personnel and caregivers. Therefore, maybe controversially, especially in political debate against funding pensioners who economically burden society, I would suggest that the public value of the humanities is that the discipline can not only shift our mental framework surrounding the elderly, but this adjusted attitude will also encourage positive economic and social spillovers. I would like to end with my personal experience with the societal difficulty of having different needs, because while I receive dentine extensions to compensate for my disability, I would argue this has a knock-on disadvantage of making me more prone to mental exhaustion and burnout. This demonstrating that society is not designed for those with extra needs and that the negative spillovers of so-called solutions do not tend to equalize the playing field. Hence, for me, The continued study of and raising awareness of potential societal needs in favor of disabilities through critical analysis in the arts and humanities disciplines, like what has already happened to enable the extra needs I currently receive, are just as valuable as scientific advances in the same field. Lastly, I would suggest that this concept of societal responsibility or protection, especially encouraged by the pandemic, encourages people with extra needs to depend on those considered fully enabled. I believe that this distracts from the fact that Western societies need to be restructured physically and mentally, technological development in sciences, but also accompanied by cultural reframing in the arts and the humanities.